Good Love afternoon. Sorry, good morning, rather. This is Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music, and I do want to welcome you to this exciting installment of the Opera Diva series. Today we will be joined by legendary Metropolitan Opera Soprano Martina Arroyo. We are so happy to have Ms. Arroyo here to discuss her initiative, Prelude to Performance. At this time, I would like to play for your listening pleasure, Ms. Arroyo singing the Retorno Vichitor. Good morning, Ms. Arroyo. Good morning. Listen, we're having a technical difficulty, but we will get it together here. Again, we are going to make this interview happen here. Just be patient. Again, I'm going to play a little music while we're making the connection. 
Good morning, Ms. Arroyo. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Ms. Arroyo. Hello, good morning, Ms. Arroyo. We are really having technical difficulties this morning. Um, callers, I'm so listeners, I'm so sorry. I guess this is going to be one of these these days for the Opera Diva series. My my broadcasts have a mind of its own. Let's see, can we try to get Miss Arroyo again? We're going to get Miss Arroyo because she has something to say. This is the joy of live radio. Let's try this again. Hello. Good morning, Ms. Arroyo. Good morning. Good morning, and please call me Martina. <laughs> Thank you so much, Martina. Oh, my God. This is Patrick DeBacor. I'm so sorry we've had all these technical difficulties, but you are finally on the line. Thank you so much for well, being a part of Well, they say this is your... the era of technology, but sometimes <laughs> we have to go back to the old-fashioned way. <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I'm so sorry that I wasn't able to give you the the full accolade you deserve, but I'm sure that we're going to be able to get right down to the point. Tell me about your initiative, Prelude to Performance, and what's going on there in New York City. Well, we have a program each summer where we present two operas double cast with orchestra costumes and as close as you can get to a professional performance with a faculty actually of 21 of, of coaches, uh, of conductors, of course, and, and stage directors. Uh, the idea being to work on a character, but not we, of course, they must know how to sing the part first and foremost, <laughs> but we deal mainly with the character, the building of the character, with putting the that skin on of the other person, which is a, a unique viewpoint in that uh, many of the young people who are really very fine singers um, uh, still don't deal with the words and the and the building of that character enough before going on to the uh, into the professional world. And so we thought uh, some years ago that it would be nice to have a program that addressed that especially since I felt as I was coming along that I learned these things, but it took years of performances and people like uh, uh, Lotfi Mansouri and Tito Capobianco and Franco Enriquez to, to drill into the, to you the importance, the very, very much importance, the importance of the word, of the, of the expression. Mm. Now tell me about some of the artists that will be coming to work with the students to do master classes during the sessions. Well, we have master classes uh, each year, and we've had people like Stephanie Blythe, and um, uh, in fact, we've even had uh, people from the stage. Uh, the point being that these are people who are also interested in building the the, pers- the character, uh, not just we don't have master classes about singing. We had Anthony Latura, or having Anthony Latura of um, Boardwalk Empire to talk about the the character actor. You know how much how much is involved with building a character in a short period of time. Um, mm-hmm. We'll have uh, Elizabeth Futral this year. We all, and we also have wonderful people like Ken Benson who talks not only about uh, the auditioning process but also about business. That anything that the young people want to ask that very often you don't get in a school course. Mm. Mm, does that, that mm, mean you don't like it? <laughs> no, no, no. I said, mm, as in, as in good, because as you mentioned, I mean, that those kind of experiences you, you just you just can't trade for the world. Now, you had talked oh. um, a little bit when you said, um, when you first initially found the program that 
um, it was kind of inspired by some of your own experiences. Could you maybe talk a little bit deeper about your inspiration to to provide such a program um, in lieu of some of the experiences that you had as a singer? Well, as a very young pro- professional, I had gone to the opera workshop of Hunter College. I had attended that workshop for a few years, and there, of course, we did deal with uh, with the staging, but the in-depth work uh, with the language, with the expression, uh, was not as addressed the same way because, first of all, there was a time element, and there were a number of. It was a course in a university, uh, and as I went into the profession. Many, many people liked my voice and like, and gave me contracts because of the voice, but I found doing a par- a parts like Butterfly and Tosca, uh, well, any part, to be perfectly honest, uh, if you don't know who that person is, if you don't um, begin to believe what she's going through and what she's going through emotionally, you're only getting half of the story just because the voice might be acceptable. On the other hand, I've seen performances of people that made me believe them, and their voices weren't as wonderful as Miss So and So. So I found that I wanted, I began becoming more involved with the words. And as I said, when you have stage directors that deal with that themselves, you find yourself growing and growing in that direction. And of course, the singing always remains important, but you try to bring them together so that you just don't sound beautiful, but you 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 have colors in your voice. You're saying something. And that, that with me, grew little by little over the years. Uh, hopefully it got to a decent point. But I think that if the young people, even right at the beginning, started realizing that uh, you can say a word 15 different ways depending on why you're saying it, who you are, what kind of, uh, what kind of person you are, what character you are, it, uh, it'll always be, it'll involve the person who's listening. Tell me about the diversity or the variety of students that you see come through your program. Well, we are extremely uh, lucky. We have had this year alone more than 400 uh, um, applicants, and we have everything, everybody, everybody who can sing, who wants to learn this sort of thing is welcome. One year, the very first year, we didn't realize uh, we weren't thinking about diversity. We were just thinking about getting the program started, and it turned out we had uh, 11 Asian um, members, 11 black, and 11 white. And we didn't know that wow. was not worked on. That, that was an accident. <laughs> but we don't, when we started applying for funds from the various organizations, that was one of the questions. And it, it made us aware each year that, um, you know, we had to be, in, not had to be, we want to be inclusive, but that was not an issue because all of the young people came. And I think that young people are just wonderful. They, they don't look at each other, as, as uh, in the, at least in our field, let's say. They don't look at each other as the, as the color, but they, they hang on to each other to learn to have careers because they want a career, first mm. and foremost. And, and they, the, work, the work that's done together is incredible. Uh, even when you think in terms of cultures being different and people have to learn perhaps to change uh, an attitude because you come from a different culture, it's amazing how as soon as you're thrown in together and you all want to make this opera work, you do it together right. and with great love. Right, it's teamwork. You have to do it together. Now, speaking of the young people coming to this program, if a young artist or um, a budding professional wants to become a part of this intensive program, what are some of the basic criteria? Well, not only must they have a voice, uh, they they have to be at a certain level technically because our program 
is six weeks from 10 in the morning until 6, and very often in the evening, not often, but evening rehearsals with chorus, uh, staging, it depends on with, when, with orchestra, whenever they're called. So you can't have someone who doesn't yet have some groundwork in his technique. Um, you can't just throw a, a young voice to the wolves. So we do require that beside the voice being a good one, um, that there be a certain amount of uh, number of years of, of study. And we often have our, the teachers because we don't, uh, we don't approach the technique at all. We don't talk about how to sing. And many of the teachers come into the rehearsals, listen to what their, their students are doing, uh, or, or will call and say, is this happening? Or if it's really necessary and I have to call one and say, look, she's singing off pitch all the time. Can, would you address it, please? Or do you think you know, it can be addressed? Uh, mm -hmm. So that there's a camaraderie also with the teacher, um, without the teacher being a teacher in the program. Uh, and those young people work quite hard. They have classes, wonderful classes in the morning. Uh, they work stagecraft. They work libretto where they just speak the parts where they, as, as prose or as theater without thinking of the rhythms and the, and the, and the pitches. They're, they have role class with me where they discuss the character before page one, before, they, uh, before we even see them. Who were they like? What were they like? Where are they from? What was the historical background? Who wrote the original play or story uh what have you read the original play or story you know so it's, there's a lot of work involved it's not just staging in the afternoon four hours and then putting on a performance and they're coached individually they're coached in groups now is that enough you sound as though you yeah. wanted to hear more <laughs> <laughs> i want you to talk out of all this hardship we went through to get you on the line i just want you to talk until you can't talk anymore you i'm just never so thrilled. give a soprano that in uh that entree you know we can talk for years <laughs> and say little but talk <laughs> speaking of talking i remember when i had the pleasure of meeting you two years ago i met you at the nea opera honors at, at the Washington, kidney center yeah. Yes. <laughs> at the reception, and I was oh, speaking so quickly. <laughs> and I was speaking so quickly, the first thing you said was, oh, you must be a singer to say all that on one breath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> Tell me about the NEA, NEA Opera Honors and what that meant to you that night to receive that honor. You know, it's so hard to express what was going on inside that night. Besides, there's nobody in the world who would not admit this as being as one of the greatest honors you can receive in your own profession. Uh, and I was also, uh, my husband was sick and, and uh, could not accompany me and uh, and and was in the hospital. And so uh, it was a mixed, wonderful thing, uh, being with Dikiera, David Dikiera and Eve Queller and, and meeting Philip Glass for the first time and falling totally in love with him. Uh, it was just a joyous two days. And... It all it happened because the NEA had given this incredible, incredible honor, and I, I it was you want to say one of the very top moments of your life, and it is. But I have to tell you that when you're in this profession, every time something goes well, you think this is a top moment. Well, that was certainly one of the pinnacles, without mm. a doubt. And I only wish that uh, every young singer strives for getting their NEA uh, award sometime in their thoughts. Aim for it. <laughs> well, I certainly do want to extend my condolences to you on the loss of your husband. I remember during that time we were trying to go back and forth, trying to arrange this talk. So I'm just so glad that this day is, is happening. I'm so honored. Now, just to go, um, since we're talking about opera, um, just to 
pay it forward to today. You've had you've certainly had a wonderful career, and I do want to give get an opportunity to give you um, your full introduction, which these um, technical, technical difficulties kind of messed up. But I do want to just go ahead and speak forward. I mean, the world of opera is so much different today in some aspects. What are some problems that you perhaps see in the opera world today that did not exist perhaps during your tenure of singing? Well, one of the things that uh, that I find uh, really important to discuss is that we do have uh, many companies that either change the time period or the dress or the, or the they don't change the story necessarily but it seems like the story has changed when you see it uh, um, and this is all well and good when you have a comparison and when the com- conflict remains the same but what sometimes bothers me is when the young people who are going out to sing these part, parts don't know the traditional way of doing it, don't know what the composer and the librettist intended so that they can say, okay, I can be a grasshopper in this production, but I know that Butterfly was originally a woman, you know, uh, who went through this suffering, and uh, and and this new version might be uh, uh, someone's wonderful um, fantasy, and it might be gorgeous to look at and beautiful to hear, but the original um, character, whoever she is or he is, was meant to be, according to uh, Beaumarchais and Mozart was supposed to be this way, and I can make the comparison and then from there move on. When sometimes the young people go into productions and they're only told that um, this is the way to do it and they have nothing to compare it to, it distorts what the opera is really about. Mm. It, 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 it distorts it in your own mind because you don't compare it to anything. You don't, you don't, you, this becomes your truth. Mm. Does that make any sense? I understand it. It does because I just saw a recent production, and I won't call the production, I won't call the company, but I saw that very that very thing. And then um, I wonder how does a singer address that if you have a professional singer who perhaps has never sung the original role in, say, Cosi Fantuti, but then they do a contemporary version of the opera without having done a traditional setting. I just wonder how that, that goes as well. Well, when the conflict remains the same, I, I've done Balui Maskedai in the Civil War, which was kind of funny, but nevertheless, um, the conflict remained the same, and so we were able to keep the, the basis of the characters uh, true to, to, to the text. But when sometimes you go to a performance and they're performing one way, saying something else had no, no relationship to, the, to, the, to the, either the author or the composer, you wonder how they're, they're developing it. They're developing the character from from another angle, and so how true to the text can they be, and how true how do, how true a representation does the audience get? Mm. You know, it's one thing to imagine them uh, riding around on uh, on on helico- in helicopters, <laughs> but you, it's hard to imagine that if if it's before Christ. <laughs>
That is that is a, a very good point. Now I want to kind of go back to Prelude um, to Performance because I think that's a wonderful um, initiative that you're doing to really train up singers and give them this opportunity. Now when the singers come, I want to go back to that. When the singers come to your program, do you handpick each singer or is there a panel, a selection process? Well, we're a panel. First of all, Mark Rucker, the baritone, very wonderful baritone, is oh, our phenomenal. administrative yes, uh, is our administrative director. Willie Waters, uh, who's conducted all over and was the head of the Hartford Opera, is our musical director. We always have guests, uh, like now we have Stephen White and uh, as a conductor, and um, we have our stage directors this year, Kay Castaldo and. Um, and Matthew Lotta. These are people that have been in the profession, have uh, have done their work all over the United States and sometimes as well as in Europe. And they might have an input by coming to the to the auditions, but the final decisions are made by Mark, Willie, and I, and whichever person, uh, who, if it's a stage director, who's come to the the auditions and who's heard the others, uh, we'll, we'll make, we make the decision, the final decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do that carefully. We, we we really don't. It's not haphazard. We we listen to the people. We then take tapes. We go back. And then then the issue is to have the voices sing together that work well together. We're doing così fan tutte, and to have an ensemble that will also sing the Mozart well together as well as get the characters. Uh, we we couldn't have a, a, a soprano who sounds like a, a Brunhilde and a Dorabella who sounds like a Rossini a mezzo. You know, there mm-hmm. has to be a balance worked out, and sometimes that's not easy, but we have to do it. Now, did I, did I explain like a, myself properly there? <laughs> you did, you did, and, and and I'm just I'm just still in awe of, of all the information that you're giving. Now, when you're hearing all of these different singers, I, I, I just want to go back. You have the opportunity to hear singers from all over, and I know you have a panel, but when I'm talking to you, Martina, you, you've you had so many experiences and, and have heard so many singers. When you hear a young, budding singer that comes to your program, or even if, they, if you just hear them sing perhaps in your living room, what are some of the things that, that really stand out that perhaps would separate a singer from being just a good singer or you know, with to the potential of being a great singer. Well, you know, singing is subjective. One person likes one voice, and another person likes another voice. You, certainly, you go by what you feel when you hear some, when you hear the voice. Does it does it inspire you? Do you enjoy hearing it? You, I'm, we're not. When I listen to a voice, I'm not first looking for what's wrong with the voice. I want to hear what does the voice say to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the program so that if the voice isn't saying what it should be saying is that character, we work with that, with exactly that. But if the voice has something to say uh, and is, is, is technically in decent condition, and I always use these words because I'm not saying any, anybody's perfect. We all have a way to go, and that's throughout your lifetime. But um, we also have heard young people that we thought uh, weren't ready to sing a whole performance yet, or with orchestra, the complete performance, and we've asked them to be auditors so that they could do all of the work, like learning the character, learning the language, discussing the character, but they don't have the responsibility of doing the performance because that would be a little bit too much, perhaps. We keep them as auditors, and we follow their careers. And sometimes you'll hear somebody we think is a wonderful voice, but not for this part, and we keep stay in touch so that if next year we're doing something, we will be doing Tales of Hoffman. We can perhaps use that person then. 
So you, you, you just don't hear a voice, at least we don't just hear and put it away. We, we hear and, and make notes and, and, and remember, hopefully. But, of course, That's remember, we're wonderful. getting old. Sometimes we forget a little. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like your program has flexibility and you're, and you're not um, just out here just to tear somebody down. You're really trying to cultivate and build and see what you can bring out as far as the best in the center. So that's something I really like. And generally I give a big introduction and, and these technical difficulties um, kind of took away from that. So I do want to let listeners know, who may be unfamiliar with opera or classical music, I just want to let you know a little bit further exactly who I'm talking to. We're, we're speaking to none other than Martina Arroyo, who is definitely recognized as one of the preeminent lyrical spinto sopranos of our time. Um, and as she's she's won so many accolades and things of that nature, both as a performer and as a teacher, and we're just so honored to have her here. This conversation has taken um, – two years to have, so even with the technical difficulties and the glitches, I'm glad that you all are listening, and I want to thank um, Martina for being on the line with us, and I want her to continue since we're talking about opera. And with that being said, what really, what first gave you the opera bug? What really stirred up in something that you just said, I want to be an opera singer? Well, it didn't happen. It happened a little backwards. I was attending Hunter College High School, uh, that's a, what used to be the private high school of Hunter College, and um, and there up the opera workshop of the college used to meet in our auditorium, and we would stand outside, and myself and a couple of other girlfriends who were a little bold, and we'd imitate the singers, and we were one day caught, and <laughs> as a punishment, they dragged us in to sing for the director, who was Joseph Tornow, who had directed at the Wiener Staatsoper. And he made us sing, and we were sure that we were going to be clobbered. And instead he came over and said to me, what do you want to be? What do you want to do with your voice? And I said, well, I'm going to be a school teacher. And mm. Because, you know, as I tell this story all the time, coming up, growing up in Harlem um, 25 years ago, <laughs> add a few, uh, you had Dr. Lawyer, Indian Chief. You didn't think in terms of astronaut <laughs> and, and an opera singer. So I went into the, he said, well, if you want to come into the workshop and, and sit in. And I went in, he sent me to my first voice teacher, Marinko Gurevich. And uh, it started like that. It wasn't really that I realized that I wanted to be an opera singer early on. It was at first sort of fun uh, with always wanting to be a teacher. And my parents said, okay, but you have to have a degree that's, uh, that that'll mean uh, a, a secure flight, and so I said, okay, I'll be, I'll go in for the teaching, and I did get my degree in Romance languages, not in music, which mm. I'm sorry in a way, but um, things turned out all right anyway, and uh, it started like that, and toward the uh, little by little, the opera classes became more important to me than anything else, and I think a few years later, I said. This is what I want to do. But it didn't start out by my saying, ooh, I want to be an opera singer. That is fascinating that your degree is not in music. No, not at all. And uh, this is only to say, because you don't necessarily have a degree in music, it's of course take as many courses, of course learn to sight sing, of course learn about orchestra, of course do those things that I had to do later and little by little as, it went, as we went along. Of course that's all important, but um, it's not the only way. If you really, if you have a talent and somebody encourages you and, and you are you are helped, also financially, it's it's an expensive profession. It is. You know, it really is. And, and so many young people. people work, as well as take lessons, go to school, and work. It's not easy. It, it's certainly not. 
Um, and I try to tell people all the time, you know, sometimes you have to go out here and work and, and get a job and a part-time job so you can really fund what you really want to do. Is if you want to be an opera singer, you have to buy music books and everything else. Oh, yeah. so that is a wonderful um, takeaway. Now, just it was funny. I was happening to look over um, the programs of uh, the Foundation of for Prelude to Performance this summer, and I happened to just say Cosi Fantute off the top of my head, not realizing that that was one of the operas that uh, you all will be performing. Could you start and maybe uh, discuss um, the plans for uh, Verdi's Falstaff and the performance of Cosi Fantute with Prelude? Uh, yes, I did mention that we were do, we are doing Falstaff, which is not an easy opera to to uh, to uh, prepare with young people because you need these mature characters and 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 Verdi is Verdi, you know, it's, mm. um, you have to be able to sing Verdi, and so and we we work with young singers, so we were very careful about who we choose, and when I say we, I have to keep saying we because you you make it sound a little bit like Prelude is all Martina. It's not. It has Mm. a lot to do with uh, the other people that I've mentioned that give of themselves wholeheartedly, and so it's a we situation Mm. always at Prelude. Wonderful. And those are the two operas. Uh, they're different. We do, we do a Mozart and another opera with the idea being that we keep the recitative uh, in our program. So often in the schools, there's no time to, uh, well, very little recitative is addressed, and that's extremely important to know how to sing it, to know the languages. Again, it's language, um, and uh, and so it, we've made it an important part of our program. That is certainly wonderful. Now, just um, as a final takeaway um, to as we as we round the interview, I certainly want to thank you for discussing the program. What would you say um, beyond uh, Prelude after the student uh, has received this this phenomenal training and those type of things? What would be maybe the final takeaway that you may give to this person who aspires to go on uh, to make a living as an opera singer? Because well, you have to keep go- working. You have to keep working. You, you don't. You're not going to get it all in prelude by any means. It's not. It's not a, a, a six weeks that says now you're ready for life. But what I'm hoping is it's six weeks that says now I'm able to help myself prepare a role. Now I know how to pr- approach a role. Now I know how to where I go to make these languages. Uh, cl- clarify these languages, the idioms of the language, and the and the intention of the history. You know, I mean, there's, there's so much you're working with at once that it, what they learn, I'm hoping, is that then now I'm not afraid to go into a new opera and go elsewhere and and do other things um, because I, there's a security. There's a we've I've learned how to build. Mm. That's what we want, you know. And also, we we know that they can't stay in in a prelude situation. They have to get out there and get and mix in eventually with the professionals. But they don't walk on stage as an empty vessel. They walk on stage as half full, and that's mm. very important. So I hope if prelude does anything, it helps them learn how to fill that glass a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it sounds like it's well on its way it, it sounds like you really have a wonderful team And I'm just very impressed and excited about that spirit of teamwork We talked about how people can be involved as far as being participants in the program But do you welcome volunteers? And if there's an opportunity that people in the music community can help What can we do to help your foundation and the many people who work to foster uh, this activity? 
Oh, what a wonderful question, Patrick. First of all, uh, for those that are in this area, who come into this area, to come to the performances, is, uh, that's extremely important because there's nothing like walking on stage to an empty house. You want to sing to people. But indeed, what you said, uh, volunteering, because it's a ex- very, very expensive type of uh, program to have to contribute financially, and I didn't, I'm making it third, but in a way it's first because we don't charge an, a tuition to come into this program. This program is tuition-free, so we have to raise the entire budget plus in order mm-hmm. to have it, and only with an incredible board and with incredible uh, uh, help from organizations from the NEA to NISCA to to private organizations that have kept us going. Uh, And even with all of that, we need more. So uh, sometimes someone will send in uh, $100 or whatever it is, and we are very grateful. It adds on to the possibility of another another hour of work. And so if you go on our website, uh, there are dates, there are the programs, there's a, a means of con- contributing financially, and if anybody wants to contact about working with us in the program, if there's a singer who wants to sing for us, uh, it, the information should be there. I don't know how to open a computer, but I'm told it's there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I'm still working not. on the telephone. I do want to bring all that um to, to the listeners' attention, I certainly want everyone who's listening and is telling my voice to to certainly rally behind the Martina Arroyo Foundation, as Miss um, Arroyo did mention to everyone. Um, it's certainly a team effort. She has so many wonderful people, two of my friends, who I, I love dearly, Mark and Sadie Rucker. Um, Aren't they are wonderful? The, <laughs> yes. yes, they are. And um, certainly um, Stephen White and many others who are working to to train these young singers and give them the truth they need. I'm going to encourage you to go to www.martinaarroyofdn.org, and that will take you to the website where you can find the information on the performances of the Verity and also the Mozart Opera. So beginning on July the 13th and July the 15th is the performance of the Verity Falstaff, and then July thirteenth is to the the fourteenth is Falstaff as well. Oh wait a minute, sorry, did you get it right? I, I, I think yes, you got it right. The fifteenth we have both performances. Oh okay. We well, have an so afternoon before. and an evening on the fifteenth. <laughs> okay, but if the listeners, if you go on the website, all of those performances are in detail. And as she mentioned, we we don't want the wonderful artists have come out to an empty house. We want them to come out to a full house, and so I'm depending on you, and I'm going to do whatever I can do to help to promote the performances. Ms. Omero, you said somebody called you Martina. Martina. Martina, I am so sorry that the interview got off to a rocky start, but as you mentioned, technology can be a bear, a blessing, and a curse. So I want to thank you so much. Well, why didn't they can be a curse? I just said I, I didn't know much about it. No, no, I'm, it's I'm the way to go today. <laughs> I'm oh. saying that it's a curse because I, I'm so up on it. And then for you know the the um, the opportunity to, for me to give you the introduction you deserve kind of falter. But I want to thank you so much. Is there anything final that you want to remind the listeners about Prelude? Well, we have wonderful, wonderful young artists in this program, and if you do come to the program, not only come and say hello to them, but come and say hello to me. We like to build our audiences and 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 stay in contact with you. Uh, uh, do just support.
supporters. That's all I can say, uh, because these are very worthy young talents, and uh, without you, we, we might not have a, some careers going, but with you, we can do it. We can certainly lead that path to great, great successes for them. Martina, thank you so much for joining this installment of the Opera Diva Series. I want to thank you so much for your patience, and I hope that something is gleaned out of this broadcast that somebody might hear and write a check or use a credit card, come to the performance, and really support the work that you all are doing. We, I can't say enough about the work that you and your, your team are doing to just to bring opera to everyone, and I just personally want to thank you and everyone for that. Well, you shouldn't be only thanking us. We thank you for caring enough to have a program like this, for caring enough to following through over, as you said, it's been over a year, but I, we appreciate knowing that you're out there. So you keep going. And you keep working as you are, and uh, we'll see each other again. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day. Same to you. Take care. Bye now. Again, callers, you have been listening to the Opera Diva Series with legendary Metropolitan Opera soprano Martina Arroyo. I do want to apologize that we had so many technical difficulties, but I do want to take the time to really give the full due and homage to Ms. Arroyo um, in case some of you uh, are not necessarily um, of opera on a regular basis. Again, Martina Arroyo is recognized as one of the preeminent Lyrical Spinto Sopranos of our time, as both performer and teacher, she has always perceived that it is essential to understand all aspects of an operatic role in order to achieve a personal interpretation that is effective. The Martina Arroyo Foundation was founded in June of 2003. The musical community has welcomed the Martina Arroyo Foundation and its mission to ready young singers for a life on professional stage through the preparation and interpretation of complete operatic roles for public performance. Its programs have gained particular respect for a method of specialized training that incorporates learning the historic framework of the drama and musical style, exploring the psychology and motivation of each character, and studying ways to use the body and the voice to understand and express character. Again, this has been Patrick B. McCoy, the African-American voice and classical music. I want to thank you for joining this installment uh, the Opera Diva series. I do hope that you got a chance to, to listen to Ms. Arroyo talk about the wonderful Martina Arroyo Foundation and all of the wonderful team players who come together to bring training to some of our brightest and best young people who desire to sing opera. I'm going to encourage you to go on the web and go to the Martina Arroyo Foundation website where I encourage you to support the performances this summer of Falstaff by Verity and also Mozart's Cosi Fantucci. If you go to the website, those um, performances are there in detail. I'm going to also encourage you to, if you can't go to New York and support the performances, write a check. Send in a check to um, the Martina Royal Foundation or either take out your credit card. I'm sure they'll welcome those payments on the website. Again, this is Patrick B. McCoy, the African American Voice and Classical Music. I hope you will follow me on Twitter at Patrick B. McCoy. I hope you will like my page on Facebook, Patrick D. McCoy, the African American Voice and Classical Music. And I also want to share with you um, a new PR firm that is excited about helping uh, young performing artists realize their dreams. That is HKS PR Arts, and you can like that page on Facebook as well and find out how that new firm can help you to reach your goals 
through exceptional media press campaigns. Again, this is Patrick B. McCoy, the African-American voice and craft of music. I wish you a wonderful day, and this has been the Opera Diva series on Blog Talk Radio. We will close now with a wonderful selection uh, sung by Ms. Arroyo, the very well-known Ritona Vichitor. Thank you. 